Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways cars connect us. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. It's uh, snowing outside, and I don't have my snow tires on yet. I'm in the Z4. That is the recipe for fun right that is there. The, well, or disaster, both of the well, above. They're, I they're, 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 they're twins. They're doppelgangers of each other at this time of I'm year. I'm a glass half full today. That is just a fun, yeah, exciting. Well, That's exciting. Op- open diff, BMW Z4. <laughs> Even more exciting. All season tires, and it's snowing. What could possibly go wrong? Welcome back to the podcast. How are you? Happy Tuesday. Good to have you with us. Yeah, this is great. We've got a cool topic Tuesday from Carl S., who has noticed our new versus used discussion. Mm-hmm. And he is writing to us to ask more about this voting with your wallet kind of mentality, this this subject that we've discussed. And so we're going to dive a little bit deeper into that today for Topic Tuesday. We've also got a car debate from Cole R. in Northern California, who has been into hybrids and electric vehicles and owned a few. But now he's open to internal combustion engines again. It's interesting. His whole commute has changed, and now he's like, okay, so this is what I need to solve. It's like going back from snowboarding back to skiing. It's like, oh, yeah, skiing's cool. Interesting. Okay, we got an equal right. si- EV equals snowboard. We got an interesting Something equal like sign. That. Yeah, okay. Oh, it'll be good. Well, this topic Tuesday comes from Carl S. The topic here is buying new cars as a way of voting with one's wallet. Mm-hmm. How does this square against depreciation? Now, Carl agrees with us about the notion of somebody has to buy these things new. Us, we, the collective royal we, have to buy these things new Mm -hmm. because we can't buy used cars if nobody buys them new. And and here's the the side note. The reason the Ferrari stopped selling manual transmissions is because – this was the actual stat. Less than 2% of their buyers were bothering with a manual. Now, I don't care what business you're in. I don't care what it is you sell. When you're offering a product – and less than 2% of your buyers are actually buying that product, you're going to stop selling that product. It's not worth the investment. So Ferrari stopped selling a manual transmission, and all of us, and I am pointing the finger at Paul and I and all of you listening, all of us enthusiasts went, Ferrari's not offering a manual anymore? But if you step back and look at it from a business perspective, of course they aren't. Right. So the, the reason that I bring this up is we talk about the manuals dying. Well, let's buy manuals. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have to buy them new. And we talk about Everybody's only buying SUVs. Everybody's only making SUVs. It's because only, the only thing people are buying is SUVs. And if we want small, lightweight, manual transmission sports cars, guess what? When a company makes one, we have to buy it. That's true. I'm sensing the takeaway is it's Ferrari's fault for everybody buying SUVs. Is that true? Is <laughs> yes. that what I'm sensing here? Ferrari's fault. Today on Everyday Driver, it's Ferrari's <laughs> fault. When Carl bought his 2019 Volkswagen GTI Rabbit Edition, it was the first brand new car out of 20 since 1995. Carl voted with his wallet, has no regrets. They hold their value reasonably well, so it doesn't feel too painful, he Mm -hmm. says. When he gives advice to others, though, he nearly always suggests buying used, Mm -hmm. especially with higher-end cars, European cars. They did this with Carl's wife's 2016 Audi Q5 and bought a $50,000 vehicle for about half price. Again, he says, no regrets. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to now, to this email, and he's almost ready for a new experience. He says, like an Alfa Romeo Giulia in particular, this very one is gorgeous, he'd be voting with his wallet and helping Alfa Romeo stay in the U.S. in some small way. But unfortunately, he knows all too well that a Julia is going to tank the moment he drives it off the lot, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. way more so than other cars. 
So how does he get past this? And how does he stop himself from buying what amounts to the same car as maybe a one-year-old model for ten or $15,000 less? Mm-hmm. Carl, this is a great, great ponderance here. I really like yeah. this. You and I, actually, Paul, have been talking about this more of late because I've been thinking about it a lot in terms of I should do this. We talk about it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I, I have owned – I was thinking back, back on it when I was reading Carl's email. I've owned a lot of cars. I've owned one new car. One, and that was the GMC Acadia that my wife and I bought when she was oh, pregnant. Oh, that's right. And that the reason we bought it is twofold. We had a old GMC Yukon with two hundred and sixty three thousand miles on it that yeah. qualified for cash for clunkers. That's right, and was on its last legs. So that got us a big discount on an already discounted GMC Acadia because that was during bankruptcy for GM and they were desperate for people to buy. So we got a killer deal on a brand new Acadia. So it made all kinds of sense. Exactly. Exactly right. Because ultimately we were – and we got 0% financing. Oh, free money. Free money. Yeah. So these were all the reasons we bought new. But you can see the reason I bought that car new was not because I really hope you make more SUVs. It's just all the pieces aligned. I've never went out and bought a fun car new. Now, most of the fun cars I want are way too expensive, but I am pondering it. I'm wondering if my new my next experience should be a new experience, and I want to talk with Carl and all of you about reasons to buy new versus used. Because look, I am the guy that the reason my wife owns a Cayenne is because we bought it for a third of its MSRP. Sure, it was seventy one thousand dollars, seventy one thousand dollars when it was new. We got it for just over twenty five. You can't argue that. It's hard to argue. I agree. I agree. But yet, I want sports cars and fun stuff to be around, which means when they make them, someone must buy them. By the way, to this day. Todd's wife named their Yukon Stella. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Todd and I have not told her what happened to Stella. We have never told her what the cash for clunkers actually did to nope. the way they nope. dispose of these vehicles. And we never will. She was named Stella because she was fully blacked out. Yeah. Everything was blacked out. So she was very stealth. So my wife came up with Stella. I don't name cars, but she does. So Stella. she has a Cayenne. It's named Pepper. As you, because, as you, know. you do. Right. So, but, but I have noticed this. I name my goofy cars. I don't talk about it much. We had spot <laughs> the mini. We had spot the well, mini. Well, true. Yes, I did, did name the Lotus Skittle. Yeah, true. You true. know, I haven't got a name for the Z yet, but it does say Z not Z on the back, which I'm pretty proud of. <laughs> I have to say, I'm pretty proud of that. That's fun. Carl, there's plenty of stuff online as far as the pros and cons. It does come down to the particular situation. The only new car that I have had was my 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. When I moved to Utah, yeah, yeah. I was working for an employer at the time that had the corporate discount in place for a Ford GM or an FCA vehicle. And so you couldn't get employee pricing, couldn't get A or B. It was the X plan pricing that you could get. Okay. So right. it was yeah, yeah. for partners of those companies. And sure. Sure, large sure. corporations, you should look into this. If you work for a big company, mm. there's a lot of times deals because of bulk pricing, mm. they pass that along to their employees. And so that's what they did for cars. And I thought, well, okay, I'll look into it. How much could I possibly save? It was a little weird, and dealerships are not used to you walking in with a code mm-hmm. because you sign in as an employee, you generate <laughs> yeah. a code, yeah, and yeah. you're only allowed two a year, whatever it says, for friends and family. And you walk in and say, I've got this code. I'm a buyer. Mm-hmm. I want that car in the in your lot. Mm-hmm. And they don't love that because they're making less money all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden, and they're yeah. now honoring. But they need to honor it. Yeah, for sure. That's the whole part of the deal. The tone changed when I started talking to the salesman. Everything about the transaction changed. It was suddenly <laughs> like, oh. You need to talk to the financing department. Uh, yeah, I'm not okay. going to make anything well, out of this. Yeah, <laughs> All of that happened. Yeah, But on a $51,000 Jeep Grand Cherokee, I paid just over $47,000. That's excellent. 
That's really that good. That was excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the financing was very low. I got a very good deal. And I thought, okay, I want a Jeep, you know, moving back to the mountains. Yeah, yeah. That was, again, the only new car that I've had, but it, I had a compelling reason to do so. So, again, if you have a company you work for, you know, your husband, your wife, whoever that is, mm-hmm. works for a company and you can get friends and family kinds of deals, that is a good way to buy new. But what if you don't have that? What is mm-hmm. a compelling reason to go buy new? And I, I really started to look into this. And, of course, there's lists online. Okay, yeah. But one of the big things that stuck out to me is what people talk about on, this, you know, on the show and writing into us about reliability. This eases a lot of people's minds. I just big need time. this to run. Big time. Money can buy happiness, moments of happiness at least. <laughs> you can see happiness from here. <laughs> kind of can. <laughs> then there's the crushing there's- debt. Yeah, <laughs> the crushing debt. It was, I was happy for a month, and then the bill came. That's not that's well, exactly the opposite of what we want for you on the show. We want when the bill comes, you're like, yeah, it's expensive, but that car is awesome. That's what we hope for. There's less crushing debt. That's really that's really the takeaway. Agreed, today. agreed. Yeah. But if you're already going to finance something else, something used, yes. and something is comparable, there is that pride of ownership. Why do people buy new cars? Why do we buy cars at all? It's because they there's a level of happiness. We love cars. And, mm-hmm. They're exciting and they're fun to own and driving is fun. You know you're going to spend the money anyway. That's why I'm always kind of pushing a little bit. You're, you're already there. You, you already want something else. You always push the budget, but I, yet at I the same am. time, so do most people that write back with their car conclusions. It's funny. It's and everybody funny, thinks, yeah. oh, you're way out of the weeds. And then they'll blow out my suggestion and be you're like, right. I right. took it your happens. suggestion. It I happens. added 10 grand. Yeah, that happens all the time. It happens all the time. But I'm just saying buying a new car generates a discussion about new life changes and trips to go use the car. Mm. My Mm. grandfather had six months or more of his calendar planned in advance. And I believe this is what led to a long life for him. Interesting. He He always had stuff to look forward to. Yeah. And a new car in a strange way changes your lifestyle activities a little bit because Mm. now I can put that kayak on the roof. Mm -hmm. I can put the bikes on the back now. We can take this camping because we've got the space now. Or let's just take go on that the road trip. road trip to that really cool road we've always yes. wanted to do. Let's go do that. In yeah. a strange way, it kind of opens up. Not that you couldn't have done it with your old car. Absolutely you true. You could have made it work. Of course. Yeah. But this just seems to open up more possibilities. And There's new, a motivation new there. New discussion yeah. about all this kind of stuff. So it brings new experiences, pleasure of driving. But there's also the technology and safety features. The tires are new. There's no prior history to worry about. Mm-hmm, There's mm-hmm. no pre-purchase inspection. There's no lack of documentation that is worrisome. <laughs> like, yeah, where's it was this built car last been? Wednesday? Hmm, okay, you know, Carfax is nice and all, but what yeah. really went on with this yeah, car? Yeah, yeah. But the most important thing is that when you buy a new car, you can inhale deeply of the off-gassing plastics and carpets. You can. You That's have all really the new the car smell. Yeah. most reason to buy a new car. I have a few for you here, Carl. I like all of that. I have a few for you here. One of the things I wanted to think about is you're right. If you buy a brand new car, I don't care what you buy. You know what? Buy, I'm going to recommend you do buy that Alpha Julia because I think you really like it. We love that car. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you could get a, a used deal. Think of it another way. Any car you buy new, any car any of us buy new, the minute we roll off the lot, we would probably sell it for less. With the possible exception of cars they made 600 of where guys flip them on the internet. With the exception of those, any normal person's car, you buy it, you sell it. You could literally buy it on Tuesday, sell it on Thursday, and have lost money on it yeah. because you drove the new yeah. one off a lot. That is a known thing. I think there's a couple of things to, to think about. First off, Carl, if, if you or any of us can buy a new car, you are genuinely investing in the future of cars. Absolutely. You genuinely are. You, Absolutely. are. you are losing money on the product you bought. 
Yes, but you have invested directly into the companies that are going to make more product. When you buy used, you don't. Hmm. You are not investing okay. in those companies to make more. Okay. okay. So you are investing in this thing we all love. So there's that. There's also a few other things going on. I think, and this is the reason I'm talking about it, I think if you buy a car brand new because you plan to keep it five to seven years. Agreed. Agreed. Then why not buy new? Because a lot of times you can get, like I just said with the Acadia, you can find incredible financing deals that aren't possible from any bank on a used car ever because you're buying brand new. Yeah, You can get sometimes 0% or very close to it. It's borderline free money. Used car financing is generally more expensive. Yes, absolutely it is. So while you are spending more, you're going to have less finance fee. Mm -hmm. And if you plan, look, if you plan to keep the car for a year, I don't know that buying new made a whole lot of sense. If you're going to have it for cheap sports cars challenges, possibly if you're going to have it for four or five or six years or much longer than your auto loan would be then now I think it starts to make all kinds of sense because at that point you remove unknowns. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because And this is one of the reasons I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it for a lot of reasons, but one of the ones I'm thinking about is if I were to buy a car new in the next couple of years, if I buy smart, my son could end up driving it. By the time Many it's paid off, situation. absolutely. By the time it's paid off, it might be the right car to hand to him. If I buy the right thing, He's going to want the Lotus. Well, a whole separate thing. He won't have the Lotus. That's a separate. <laughs> He's going to uh, get a big old scoop of nope on that Yeah, one. That's, that's not happening. Yeah. But, um, so that's the thing. If you're going to keep it for a while, then a few things start to play in here. The depreciation is less of an issue because by the time you're going to sell it, what do you care? Five, six Ooh, years right. from now, it's, right. you don't care. You, the depreciation hit that it takes, you've just absorbed over time. True. True. So you don't have to worry about it. Also, with a new car, this is something that I've actually never had, including with my Acadia. You could take the time to get, and I'm not kidding here, exactly the one you want. I want that that color and that feature, but not that feature. And I want you to add this feature after it gets here. I want exactly this car. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because when you buy used, there's always a compromise. I got the color I want, but, you know, it doesn't have that other feature that I wanted. But you know what? That's okay. Sure. Or it has a little more mileage than I hoped for, but it's exactly the spec that I want. This is yours, your exact way. If you're going to keep it for a while, then you have have absolutely fine-tuned your own car and said, that's the way I want this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. now for the first year or two, three, depending upon the, the company, you've got that warranty. Anything that happens, and in some cases, depending on what you buy, also maintenance sometimes. Sometimes it's actually oil changes and brakes and everything. Included, yeah. Yeah. All of that is handled. So you are – it's not a full offset here, but you have saved money. uh, Feel the air quotes, folks. You've saved money with less finance fee and with less maintenance cost for the first few years. Agreed. Agreed. You'd have to do your own math. How? Where's the offset? But I think that the delta sometimes is less than we think it is. I I go back and forth because – 100% 100% people need to buy new cars. That's how we get what I think is the sweet spot, and that is one or two-year-old slightly used cars. Mm-hmm. They're still new. They're still under the warranty. They still have yep. 
the benefits of service still included. True, true, true. And generally speaking, things have been corrected or recalls have taken place at that point. If it's a new model and yeah. the manufacturer discovers something, whatever that is. Someone else might have decided to order some sort of goofy or unnecessary feature like blue painted vent slats on your Cayman GTS. No one would do that. No I, one would order get blue. F- generally Who not. Who would pay I, for that? Yeah. I don't really know. But otherwise, the one to two-year-old, one to three-year-old maybe, but one to two-year-old is, I think, the sweet spot. I agree with you. If you can, that's, that's, if, that is the best of all worlds. You can save money. Somebody else took the depreciation hit. But then mm-hmm. past that, then you're getting into the things like, all right, what we discover on our cheap sports car mm-hmm. and the sedan challenges, yeah, yeah. that is, okay, it probably needs a battery. Tires are going to be needed soon. Totally. Depending on where you live, you've got to buy a second set for winter tires. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I need to... You know, invest some cleaning and money and upkeep and that kind of thing into it to kind of bring it up to the standard where I could have bought, I could have spent a little more and bought kind of the thing that I wanted. But then yeah. I come back to new cars and the benefits for new cars are so long. And again, it just, like you said, I think it's excellent. You invest in the future of what the car manufacturer is doing, mm-hmm. safety, tech, all those kinds of things really makes it compelling. And, and, I, and I say this as a guy that with, with almost no exceptions, everything I've bought has been about five years old or more and over 60,000 miles. That's typically where I sure, buy a car. It's sure. four or five years old. It's 60,000 miles plus, which you're right. At that point, it needs maintenance. It needs tires. I'm just aware of that. And I've had very good success with it. I've had great success with cars like that, including crazy things like a Volkswagen Phaeton, which was a whole other madness thing. But, but by and large, this is how I've bought stuff. My, my Elise is an 06 Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bought it three years ago. Yeah. I'm, I think I'm the seventh owner. That's right. The seventh that's crazy. owner. I'm also the one that's put the most miles on the car, but that's a whole separate thing. Easy. I've actually almost doubled the mileage on that car. Have you? I have had it. That's fantastic. I love that thing. But, but this is the thing. I have absolutely benefited from this depreciation, but these positives that I'm talking about, Carl, are these things that I ponder every now and then about, maybe we should just get new mm-hmm. and just sidestep because everything I drive is old tech. Oh, that's the thing about it. And there's, while I love the hyper analog reality of a Lotus Elise, mm-hmm, I did mm-hmm. put a new stereo in it so I could sure. have Bluetooth. And you can change you know? those things, but then you're and, adding more money to the cost of your car. You're adding mm-hmm. a backup camera. You're changing the audio and the NAV system. Yep. Putting more money into the car to get it up to the level where you like your cars. And you know, my my wife has this Cayenne with 130, like 8,000 miles on it. We got a video coming in a little while on that. But I am actually in the process of putting in Apple CarPlay for her because she's been in some of the press cars we've had with Apple CarPlay and been like, "That's really cool." Mm -hmm. So we are Mm -hmm. putting that in her car because we've decided again, it's a 2010, it's a 10 year old car. We're just going to keep driving it for a few more years. Good. Just decided to just keep investing in it because it runs and she likes it and. Ain't broke, don't fix it, essentially, is what we're dealing with. Kind of, yeah. So we're dealing yeah. with that and we're enjoying it. But at the same time, there is the other part of me because we do drive all these brand new cars that goes, I'd kind of like to have something recent. Mm-hmm. And we, we know a guy here locally, mm-hmm. younger than us, named Donnie. Yeah, right, right. Donnie, I've known him since he was about 16 or 17. He's right, right. mid-20s now. Right. I think he has owned four or five cars the entire time I've known him. Okay. I think when I first met him, he owned two, and he was like 17. Okay. And I think he's owned five for the past four or five years. Most of them are 20-plus years old. Which is cool. It's very cool. He's got a really cool Chevelle. The 2002 BMW we drove for the channel, yeah. that was actually his. He has an old two-door Yukon. Very cool. Two-door Tahoe, yeah. really cool. He's got some cool stuff. He's got great taste in cars. He's a total car guy. But here's the interesting thing. A couple of years ago, he had some money saved up, and he was looking at – 
do I put money into this car? Do I put money into that car? Mm-hmm. Do I buy another project? And then he had an epiphany. And he went out and he bought a brand new, brand new Mazda Miata. That still amazed me, like by a the way. total shift for Donnie. And I, literally, I pulled him aside of the cars and coffee, and I said, look, first off, great choice. He got the soul red color. It's gorgeous. It's great yeah. choice. Yeah. Very fun. I know you got a six-speed. It's a very cool car. It looks gorgeous. But I do have to ask you, why? Because you're a total classic car guy. Why? Were you asking why that car or why new? Why, why, why did, what made you suddenly go out and buy this new? And he said, you know, honestly, I wanted something recent that always ran. This coming from a classic car, old school kind and he of enthusiast. Drives, he drives everything. He works on them. He's, he's yeah. great at it. He's a total yeah. car guy. But I see Donnie in that Miata a lot. I see him in his other stuff, but I see him in his Miata a lot. Why? Because it's fantastic to drive, and it's always ready to go, and it's got normal tech. He was like, it's got all the stuff. Carl, I think you're in the sweet spot as well. I think the what you've got going on here is a mix of both because your situation is different from your wife's. Mm-hmm. And you know all your family members, everybody's situation will be different. And I think it's tough to apply new cars for everybody across the board. It's also yeah. tough to say, let's just get you know some questionable used cars for everybody because, well, we're spending money on them and <laughs> let's stop the bleeding. Let's get something newer that's not yes. going <laughs> to... Nickel and dime me, you know? Honey, the phaeton is broken again. Has been a, that's probably a shirt. That probably has been said so much, yeah. <laughs> Just write your own car in the blank. You better believe it, yep. So I think you're doing right by having a mix of both here. And for you to get a new car based on your needs, wonderful. For you to get a used car based, what if it swaps? Fine, get your mm-hmm. wife a new car and you take a used car because your needs are different. So, mm-hmm. you know, here we are. Kind of my newest car here is the 2015 Cayman GTS. Yeah. I got it. Yeah, yeah. It was 14 months old when I got it. So it felt brand new. Still sure. kind of is in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that still feels really new to me. And then yeah. it was like right in that sweet spot. One to two years old. Took the depreciation hit. Mm-hmm. But it's it's new enough and it was still expensive. And it's been perfectly trouble free. It's been wonderful. I yeah. put money into it and maintain it. But it's been wonderful. I've tracked the daylights out of it. I have the 04 BMW Z4, the 06 Lotus Elise, and a 2010 Cayenne. Yeah. The newest car I've had in years was the 2013 FRS I had that I think was two that's and a half, right. three years old when I got it. Right. And that now, that's by far the newest thing I've owned in a long, long time. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Topic Tuesday, which means we're talking about it, and we're not concluding anything, but we're glad you joined us. If you've got a Topic Tuesday or a car debate... Please send it to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or you can go onto the website. In the top right corner under the About tab is the contact button. Email us there. And many of you are just writing to us, dropping us a line. Really appreciate it. Great to hear from you guys. Thank you so much. When you want to spend some time washing your car, but you're short on time, Griot's has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without rinsing. Try the Rinseless Wash and Wax Kit or the Waterless PFM Spray-On Car Wash Kit from Griot's Garage. They're both great if the weather's gotten colder outside or you're an apartment dweller and you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You'll get a perfect wash, indoors or outdoors, in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are the no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, remember to use the code every day for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else. That's Griots, G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Cole R. in Northern California has a story for us. He's been a listener to the podcast. Cole, thanks for writing to us. Mm-hmm. He's in Northern California, married, no kids, and he currently drives, get this, a 2016 
Cadillac ELR. That is the Volt done as a luxury car. This was an $80,000 car when it was mm-hmm. brand new. Which was a mistake on GM's part to make it that. But <laughs> the flip side is used. They make the depreciation of the BMW i3 look like the BMW's not trying hard enough. They have dropped That's with a, a whistle. Point. They are so cheap. That's a great point. Now, his wife drives a 2018 GMC Sierra Denali. This ELR replaced a 2013 Fiat 500 Abarth. Okay. And he bought the Fiat when he was commuting 180 miles a day, four days a week to Napa. Okay. He averaged 32 miles to the gallon with a Fiat, put a ton of miles on that car. But then his schedule changed to five days a week, so he began a search for a more fuel-efficient vehicle. And then his employer installed electric vehicle chargers at work, so he began to consider hybrids mm. and electric vehicles. He was originally looking at the Honda Insight and the Toyota Corolla hybrids, and it's amazing to think just a few years ago, the marketplace didn't have that much choice as far no, as hybrid. No, really didn't. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. The, the cars were just not that interesting. Things have changed, though. Now, he test drove both. He liked the Insight more than the Corolla, but he thought both of these cars are just dull. Coming out of a 500 Abarth with all kinds of personality. That's very funny, yeah. So he found the ELR for the similar price to both of those, drove two hours to a Cadillac dealership in the Bay Area to purchase this 2016 ELR with about 30,000 miles. He paid twenty seven grand. On an $80,000 car, $27,000. dropped so fast and so much. They're much cheaper than that now. They've, they're just, yeah. yeah. We're, we're going to create a bump in the prices of ELRs because people are like, really? That's that cheap? Let's yeah. get that. Start talking about that more often. By the way, um, there's an ELR for sale. Cole is selling his ELR. Yeah. <laughs> ELR for sale. There we go. Now, a few months after his purchase, he was transferred to a closer office with a 60-mile-a-day commute, five days a week. He still got the EV charging available at work. But he spent very little on fuel since May of 2019 because of this ELR. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward, he's got 70,000 miles on the car now, and the check engine light came on. Uh-oh. Service the hybrid powertrain. Uh-oh. So he brought it to the local dealer, and apparently the battery coolant was low. So he got topped off. He was on his way. And he brought the ELR home. It, said it sat in the driveway until when he wrote this email. He hopped in to move it, and the check engine light was on again. Same message. He dropped off the ELR at the same dealership and was notified a few hours later that the hybrid battery needed to be replaced. Mm. Approximately $9,000 for the replacement. Now, fortunately, yes, it was still under warranty. Because that's the thing about a lot of this early adopter electronic battery systems in all these cars is that most most companies are offering crazy warranties on the battery yes more so than everything else so here he has this old elr and by the way i'm finding them online for as cheap are as are you like looking right now 14 grand you're kidding me they average about around 20 but i found them as cheap as $14,000 for this yeah, car yeah but soon they're going to be out of warranty and that $9,000 battery replacement is going to be on you yeah. exactly right but but his happens to be under warranty because most of these hybrid cars, the battery system is under warranty for at least a decade, at least 100,000 miles. So his $9,000 charge for the battery is covered under warranty, but it has made Cole go, I should get out of this car. <laughs> the tech is always improving, and that's what we've seen driving all these new cars. Mm-hmm. The tech and the warranties behind them is ever improving, which is taking the scare factor out of owning these cars and buying them new. But for right now, he's looking for a new car. He's going to get rid of the ELR. Who wants an ELR? Get your bra- ELR. It's got a brand new battery. That's the other thing we know about <laughs> it. It's true. ELR. It's been commuted in. It was right this way. It, it, Cole has enjoyed it, and it now has a brand new battery. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Now, he doesn't need the fuel savings per se, but so he's opened himself up to internal combustion engine vehicles again. Okay. He likes sporty sedans and coupes. He doesn't need an SUV. and Definitely wants something under warranty. <laughs> so, therefore, back he will with, most likely lease a new car. There you go. Back when we were talking with Carl about what's up with a new car, here's, yes. here's what's going on. It's all about that warranty for Cole. I see it for sure. So he loves Volvo's new styling. He test drove a 2019 Volvo S60 T6. He said he liked that. He's looking at the Cadillac CT4 and CT5 sedans. Please wait until the CT4 review from us comes out because I <clears throat> kind of ranted. C- CT4 probably shouldn't be considered. The CT5 is a maybe. <laughs> that was delicate. I, I'm trying to kind of ease my way into that ease conversation just, just carefully. He has always loved Mercedes. He leased a C250 a while back, but he does not want the CLA. It's a little bit too small. Doesn't like the current BMW styling and is ho-hum about Audi. Mm. No Mustangs, no Challengers, no Camaros. Not as not the fit and finish he's looking for. Stuff is being thrown off the list. Wow. Okay. He'd really like another coupe, but Cadillac doesn't make one. And the Polestar 1 is way out of his price range. <laughs> That's true for a lot of us, yeah. He's even tried to justify a used Jaguar F-Type, but there's still a bit more than he wants to spend. He's budgeting about $500 a month for this new lease and loves the idea of leasing due to the warranty and maintenance, even though new newer cars, some new cars, do also have that covered if you buy them outright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he likes sporty luxury sedans as well. So he's all over the place, but he doesn't want to take a further gamble with the ELR. Hence, the for sale sign. ELR for sale, brand new battery. Yeah. Well, $500 a month is healthy. It's but good, yeah. Cole, you're writing to us, and so therefore I'm going to push on that a little bit. Of course you will. And you brought up the Jaguar F-Type, so I'm going to start there and work back. To, I'm going to start with the car that I want you to have, which is the Jaguar F-Type. I, I, I think I'm, that's a great answer I'm for him. Just going I to really be do. straight yeah. up with yep. you. I, I think it's a great answer. But because a little the, out of the price range. Oh, yeah. The newly restyled Jaguar F-Type first edition, if you check the website right now, it is $579 a month. Really? Yes. For the really? two liter, this is the base car. Yeah. Okay. But okay, it's okay. gorgeous. Yeah. I do like the newly restyled version. Can, but you get, hang on for just a second. While we're there, what about you get the last ones that are lingering on the lot of the last styling? What kind of deal could you get on that? They might for a brand down, new yeah. lease or whatever. They right? might have a few of the, yeah. the old ones. That and, are still which there. are still beautiful and awesome. Yes. But anyway, keep going. That, that's a fine. Keep going. So the new one, this is $579 a month for the two liter, okay. 296 horsepower. Horsepower Turbo Four. The the one up from that is the P three hundred first edition for seven sixty nine a month. That's quite a bump. I was with you on the five seventy nine. But yeah, what I found was somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I couldn't find the color that I wanted for that P three hundred first edition. It was only black, white, or silver. Ah, monochrome. The cheaper car is available with the Atacama orange, or the Sorrento yellow, or the Velocity blue. And he'll get better gas mileage. Now, the paint color is $4,500 extra. Oh, okay. Ouch, that hurt. Yep. But I do like that for you because you have not indicated, I'm going to be track driving. I need the highest performance car possible. I need a manual transmission. None of those things matter. Mm, You want mm -hmm. a wonderful, beautiful car that's good to drive, Mm. still gets decent gas mileage. A turbo four with almost 300 horsepower, that car will move, Mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous. And because they're new, I'll bet you they're going to be willing to deal. Mm. So five seventy nine a month. I did not look at how much down because that's always shocking and horrifying, and it's probably five grand. <laughs> Makes you run away. I ran away. Yeah, uh-huh. but you're gonna have to add a little bit because I do suggest a color. That Sorrento yellow is just 
funny. It's so gorgeous. It's so good. That's good. All right. So I'm, I'm landing on that for you as the car I want you to have. But I will say, backing up, you might go inspect the base Porsche Panameras. I think they might be Whoa. even more than that. They're probably in the 600 range. But I'm here to spend your money. Wow. Okay. I mean, they're great. But, but a Porsche Panamera. Yeah. I'm talking about just the regular, janky old. <laughs> the one nobody wants, the base, base Panamera. Yeah. Which is great to drive. It is. It's very good to drive. Yeah. Backing up further, I do love the Mercedes, AMG, anything, especially the C and E class. The M yeah, they're great. Is shockingly good. It is very good, yeah. And then if you want to back up even further, there's Genesis G70s and Kia Stingers and you know sports sedans and things like that. The leases will be lower than that. Mm-hmm. But I I think you want something special. And that Jaguars. Mm. I have three for you. The Jaguar's good. I, I really like where you went. I have three for you. Paul's mentioned one already, but I want to drill down a little bit. Because I think um, let's get you a good sedan that's going to surprise you. This is what I want for you. I want you to have a sedan that you can afford that surprises you with what it's capable of. Good, good. Okay? And surprises you with how good it is to be in and drive and just interesting and fun, and I'm surprised by this. Okay? Okay. Okay. I have three. They're very different. You could get all of them for your lease budget. Great. The first one is the Genesis G70. Okay, yes. And honestly, Cole, I think Great. I, I, I'm about 75% that that's your car. You think so? Okay. Because get yourself the big 3.3 liter twin turbo V6. It's hard to argue that's against. like 365 horsepower and torque. It's yeah. almost 400 of both those numbers. Yeah. You, here, here's, I'll be straight up with you. The, the downside to the Genesis G70 is it doesn't have great back seat room. You right. don't care. You True. don't need it. True. That is the biggest strike against that thing. It's fantastic to drive. It really Watch is. Watch our Blue Cars piece. It's coming to YouTube in a bit, but right now it's available on Amazon. Watch our Blue Cars episode. We really like the G70. Speaking of your, you know, maybe they've got some of the older ones, the old new cars sure. yeah, still, on the cars still on the lot. Yeah. As of this recording, we're right on the cusp of the new styling changeover to the new G70. Mm-hmm. So maybe there's still some of the old ones that we really like. Still on the lots, yeah. available for lease. Possibly. But the thing is, everyone we know that's bought one of those cars has surprised themselves with it. Mm-hmm. They're just yeah. like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. So yeah. I think Genesis G70 is way, way up there. It's nice to be in. It's great to drive. Get the big engine. Be happy. That's my first choice Get the big engine and be happy. The second one is the Alfa Romeo Giulia. I kind of thought that would be a Now, list. for yeah. your money, you're looking at the, – there's, there's two engines in that. There's – Craziness, almost a Ferrari motor. It's an $80,000 car in the Quadrifoglio. And let's be honest, that is the one we all want. Indeed. It's awesome. Yes. Okay? But new at your lease budget, I'm going to go with no. Okay. I don't think it's okay. possible. I don't think it's possible. Here's the thing. Okay. If, you can get, if you can get as close as Paul got, if you can get under 600 for a lease on a Quadrifoglio, run, don't walk. See, when you say 500 a month, I, I count you all just, the any, other $99 the in it. Yeah. up to 600 I understand. as in I, the 500 I, I see range. Your math logic. Uh, that's, yeah. that's why things always have a 99 at the end of them when they sell them to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you can get a, a Julia Quadrifoglio for a good de- lease deal, go get one right now and love it because that is better than the G70. I yeah. think you're going to be in the quote-unquote base motor, and that is the, the engine that's in every one of those cars if it's not the Quadrifoglio. It's a 2-liter uh, turbo. Okay. And honestly, the stats aren't great. But you can't tell it from the driver's seat. Every time it's we drive one, it yeah. is fun and yeah. genuinely feels fast. Yeah. So a Julia with the two-liter motor, I think you'd be really surprised by. And then I have a wild card because you can get them for a lease. 
And because of your history with the ELR, you need to at least drive it. A Model 3. No kidding. Go look at a Tesla Model 3. Really? Because you've had the ELR. And I think the compare and contrast is interesting here. Okay. And the distance that you're going is well within the range of the car. Certainly. And they are genuinely interesting and good to drive. Okay. If it were my money, I'd go Julia. I'd go Quadrifoglio if I could. Of course. I love the G70. These are cars that really speak to me. Mm. But I can't take a thing away from the Model 3. And because of her history and because of how you're using it, I think you need to drive a Tesla Model 3 because it just might be the answer. Those are my three. Hmm. I looked into leasing the AMG GTSs. How'd that go for you? Probably not well. Not well. How big was the comma in that lease? It was a lot. But I looked into it, mm-hmm. and they're going to continue to come down in price, and they're going to – those things are so sexy. I was thundering up the canyon the other day in – what was I even driving? Oh, I was in the, our current press car, Acura oh. TLX. Yeah, right, right. It's coming up the canyon, and uh, here he came hunting through traffic. <laughs> Mercedes GT. It is absolutely a menacing shark in traffic because it's so low and wide. It looks like nothing else in the rearview mirror. And he was just hunting, just stalking his way back and forth through traffic. He got got behind me in the the fast lane. I I was going quick enough to be in the fast lane compared to the traffic, but I just got over. I was like, it's yours, buddy. (laughs) You are are the big dog. Go. Yeah. It's one of those cars when you're in Germany on the Autobahn that there's someone always faster than you. Mm -hmm. That car is usually on the list. He's probably in that car. Take a guess at the one thing we can't get enough of, car stuff. That's right. That's why we love Haggerty Drivers Club. Starting at $45 a year, you'll get six issues of the award-winning Haggerty Drivers Club magazine, which is chock full of interesting reads and beautiful photos. You'll also get access to members-only live stream on topics that range from car values to automotive history, DIY tutorials, and a whole lot more. Plus, membership comes with tons of automotive discounts from big brands, including Deal of the Week, which is always an exclusive deal that only lasts a couple of days. If you love cars, and we know you do, this club is for you. Learn more at Haggerty.com slash EverydayDriver. We got an email from Derek M. just not too long ago. He subscribes to the British car mag called Evo. Yes, mm-hmm. it's a it's great It's mag. a great magazine. Really cool. He says their journalists review right-hand drive cars, and he's always wondered if the gear positions are reversed on a right-hand drive manual transmission car. <laughs> Thing. Is the first gear <laughs> position top left, like you would expect, or is it top right across the Atlantic? He says maybe it's a dumb question because the pedals aren't reversed. At least the brake would still be the one in the middle. But how challenging is it to properly drive a right-hand drive car after years of being on the left? <laughs> We've done this wrong multiple times because what happens is that the blinkers and the turn, sig- I mean, the, the turn signals and the, and the wipers swap. Right. So There's invariably, I am, I am turning on my sprayers, but I really want to go right. And that happens every time in one of these cars, <laughs> every single time. Derek, what I've found is actually more difficult, and the answer is no. First gear now is over and away from you. If you're in a right-hand drive car, it's over and away. Literally, literally the pattern is exactly the same. Yes. It's just you've swapped seats. Right, right. So the pattern is still up and left, but now it's two issues that you're speaking to. First is up and away from you, but it's also left-hand. It's left-hand. And think about it first from a business decision. You're in charge of the engineering division of a company, yeah. and you're offering this manual transmission for sale. And then you have to justify sales of the manual transmission and now swapping everything so it's a completely mm. mirrored transmission to no, operate no, no. differently. No, no, no. That's not going to happen. So no, the answer is it's the same. The pedals are also the same. Mm-hmm. You're just – everything is <laughs> everything the same. You're just now sitting on the right side of the car. But the thing that actually I struggled with the most is the mirrors. 
because now you're oh, inside yeah. rearview mirror. The, you're you're looking at an angle off the back glass, and I always turn my head to the right and up, and I'm looking at the headliner. <laughs> and I'd have to be right, right. Yeah, the outside mirrors are less of an issue. I'm, look, I'm used to looking. You know, you just look left and yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the inside rearview mirror is the one I had trouble with. That's funny because I want to look behind me. I'd look at the headliner. Nope. It's over here. It's over here now. (laughs) The other issue is the fact that what typically happens uh, is that you end up, you put your body, subconsciously, you put your body where you're used to your body being in the lane. True. Yeah, you can't do that So you're sitting on the right side of the car and you're putting your body in the left half of the lane, which means the left half of the car is not in your lane anymore. (laughs) That's what happens. The debris that you'll be driving through with all the crap in the left side of the lane will Mm -hmm. suddenly, yeah. But then, of course, it's all reversed when you're in. And and you can get over it. It, it, It's just a matter of taking time. Yeah. Yeah. CJ wrote to us on Facebook and is asking about protective film for a car. This is good. I really like this question. She's she's asking about it because she dailies a – CT uh, CX five okay okay she loves her CX five she's going to have it a long time she said it look this is not a, a rare or expensive car but she loves it she plans to keep it for seven to ten years okay but she's looking at the cost of the protective film and it's expensive to get it done there's a comma in it mm-hmm. and she's mm-hmm. going is it worth it CJ if you weren't if you didn't care about that car or have long term expectations for it I would say debate it. If you're really going to have that car that long, I say do it immediately. Agreed. Agreed. And now, now I will also say this. When I lived in California, I didn't care. The, the weather was never harsh enough. There were never enough rocks on the road. It, True. Whatever. True. I don't know. where You haven't told us where you live. Here in Utah, in Arizona, we've had it happen to us. We've had it happen to a lot of places. Yeah. Random road debris. You drive your car all winter here in Utah, and you can't believe in the springtime, you think, ah, it's no big deal. In the springtime, you can't believe how much paint has been just sandblasted off the front of your car. Yeah, yeah. This is what that film does. And, and this is not an ad, but we do genuinely like it. The Expel film self-heals. Mm-hmm. It costs a lot, but it self-heals. For the most part, depending yeah, I mean, on the not, it's not thing you hit. indestructible. But if you hit a deer, it doesn't really self-heal. It doesn't, doesn't heal. Not for animals, but like the right. rocks and debris stuff. So right. if you're dealing with weather, if you're dealing with salted or, or winter roads or this kind of thing, I think you need to get it done immediately before the weather really sets in. And I think you couldn't be happier that it's been done. Wilbon80 is asking if there's a car built in the last 10 years that comes close to the involvement and emotion of a Shelby Daytona Coupe for under $30,000. Does he know what he's asking? Have you been in a Shelby Daytona I, Coupe? Unknown. Unknown. That's uh, I, I think that's a tough... I think that's a hard no. I, I think that's a tough thing to, to agree to. Yeah, there, there's nothing that is that emotional and visceral at that price point. Yeah, I, I agree. I th- honestly, I think the closest thing is an Elise. For 30K, I'll but give that to you. But it's, yeah. very, but it's still very different than the Daytona because Agreed. the Elise Agreed. is light, agile, mid-engine, you know, European feel, very small. The Daytona is this big bruiser of a muscle car engine and a muscle car attitude in something that is light and now front-engined. And also that $30,000 price point for the upcoming TV episode, we drove Haggerty's. Mm-hmm. Shelby Daytona Coupe replica. It's a Type 65 built by a Factory 5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those aren't thirty grand unless you're building them yourself. That, they aren't either. That's the thing. The, the real Shelby Daytona is like you take that three and zero and start adding zeros and commas for a you while. Do. We'll let you know when to stop. Until do you it get for to a while. Twenty million. Then yeah, that's where you. Stop. That's where that stops. The, but the, you're right. The the replicas are fifty, sixty, eighty. Easy, easy. Yeah. And that's professionally built. And totally. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do it yourself. 
Maybe, maybe, but that's still a... If he's planning, if Willie's planning to build one, that is a very unique and special car to wind up in. But if you're wanting to spend thirty grand on something close to the visceral nature, I really do yeah. think the Elise is probably the closest, or something like a Caterham. But again, I'm at Caterham even or Ariel Adam. I'm trying to think about stuff that is as raw, but all of that stuff is so different in feel to the muscle car feel of the Daytona. I don't think we have a direct correlation. When your car needs new brakes, it's a great time to upgrade for better stopping power. We're excited to partner with Power Stop Brakes for an easy way to get more performance from something you already need. Power Stop is on a mission to deliver better brakes on every vehicle in every situation from daily commuting to towing to track days. These are all bolt-on direct fit parts for better braking, no modifications required. Every Power Stop complete brake kit comes with all the parts you need to upgrade your brakes, including pads, rotors, and even those little clips and fasteners. Plus, all their pads are made from a carbon fiber ceramic compound which they've tested extensively to deliver low dust and noise-free performance. So the next time you need brakes or you simply want to upgrade, visit PowerStop.com and enter your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use car finder. We even found great kits for our SUVs and our cheap sports cars. Give your everyday driver the easy and affordable performance upgrade it deserves at PowerStop.com. Russell Gibbeton is asking a question. It's almost another Topic Tuesday. I'm not going to take it that far, but he's asking this question. How do you distinguish between being a slow driver and just having a slow car. I saw this question. And Excellent. if you're a slow driver and you buy a sports car, should you? Because are you just another case of the old Corvette driver that's never driven a fun car and now driving really, really slowly in a fun <laughs> car that goes fast? Right. Russell, I, again, back to the core thing here, and that is we want you to buy a car you love. If you're going to buy a car you love and you drive it slowly and you love that, okay. We have a friend here locally in Utah that has what is probably the cleanest, nicest, best cared for 996-911 I've ever seen. It's like a year 2000. That's right. The black one you're talking uh-huh. about. Yeah. And we were on a drive with a bunch of Porsches once. He was on a different drive than the rest of us. <laughs> I was delicate. Because he, and what was what was great, what, and he's a friend of the show, what was great about this guy when he got out of his car is there was zero ego about it. He yeah, wasn't the yeah. least bit concerned that he was cruising slowly. He wasn't the least bit concerned that everybody else was hammering along. It, it un, didn't affect him at all. He just was thoroughly enjoying his car at a much slower pace than the rest of the group. And he was happy as can be. Yeah. So, yeah. And good for while, him for doing that too. Exactly. So, so while you and I, who are people that like to go out and push cars a bit, while that's the guy that, let's be honest, we want to get around him on the canyon road, I can't take away the fact that he's enjoying himself. So I'm going to say two things to you, Russell. If you want to get a sports car but you think I'm a slow driver, get a sports car. But here's the second part. I want to challenge you to challenge yourself. Okay. All right. Take that sports car and do a couple of track days or a couple of autocrosses. I'm not saying change the way you drive on the street, but I am saying get that car in a situation where you discover and get surprised by, I didn't know it could do that. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. this is the thing I don't like about people that drive their, their capable sports cars slowly is because many of them have never had an opportunity to even know the car can do more. And now I feel, this sure, sounds weird. Sure. This sounds, sounds really weird, but now I almost feel sorry for the car because I'm like, <laughs> the car can do all this kind of stuff and you're not even ever asking it. It's just kind of humming along bored. 
with all that said, we're starting a new service to help you drive your cars <laughs> thoroughly at their limits. But, we're here to help. But autocross is really accessible, and track days to try your own car in a novice group with an instructor are surprisingly safe and affordable. So I say if you are a slow driver, or you're a cautious driver, buy yourself a sports car, drive it slow and cautiously, that's fine, but challenge yourself enough to get a sense of what the car can do. Fair enough. I like that. Mark Lou too, is looking to move to Denver. The question is, should the elevation change make me look at turbo cars versus naturally aspirated? Well, oh, Denver is known as the Mile High City, so 5480. Salt Lake actually is at 4,000, but where Todd and I both live, we're at 6,200, depending on some I'm places. At, I'm at 6,500, yeah. 68, yeah, yeah. you know, easily some of our drives are between seven and 10,000 feet mm-hmm. elevation in a lot of hot cars. Now... You can tell when you get a turbocharged car or a supercharged car. It's yeah, it's yeah. great. But in no way has that made us uh, avoid, I'll say, or not be attracted to naturally aspirated cars. Yeah. You do lose a little bit, but it's not like they're dogs. It's not like suddenly True. the lease isn't, the Cayman isn't. They didn't stop being fun because they're naturally Agreed. aspirated. That is true. I mean, look. So, yeah, pursue the car you want mm-hmm. rather than yeah. shot by altitude. Yeah, that, that's true. And, and I will say this. You are a guy that over time you're becoming more and more in a love affair with turbos. I am. I, I, I love them. I respect them. I don't like them that much. Okay. Good. And so I end up in cars. Look, the FRS was very affected by being underpowered and then you added altitude. Bad combo. Yeah. Yeah. But it was still crazy fun. You get I'd the own, momentum I'd own going one right now. It's, it's fun. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, for sure. Alex HC asks, is there any sports car that doesn't carry a stigma or stereotype? He says, my two cars combined are worth less than $20,000, and I still get the, oh, you must be doing well. That's pretty nice kind of comments. Alex, this is – I'll give you the weirdest way this happens. Pickups. Pickup trucks, new, are expensive. Yeah. They're really – go get a nice big pickup truck. Get all the stuff you want in it. Check the price because you're probably 70 to 100 grand. For a brand new pickup, yeah, and I'm not saying pick your pick your brand. You're probably spending at least seventy grand. But what I see that's funny is that your typical pickup buyer, pickups go under the. We've talked about this before. They go under the radar on people's perception of price. You can pull them at a brand new pickup next to a ten thousand dollar Boxster, and everybody thinks, "Oh wow, who's the guy with the Boxster in the drive?" It's like, but I, what exactly? But, do you know how much the pickup cost? Yeah, pickups so, are good. Alex, this is this is a perception thing that I, honestly you can't get away from. If you drive a cuz what you've done here is you've been the oddball. You've chosen to drive something that isn't normal. True. True. And so that is the catalyst. It's actually not that it's a sports car, it's the fact that it is off the normal. If you had bought a $60,000 SUV, nobody would even blink. About how much money you're making. No one even think about it. Yeah. This yeah. this new this new sedan I just bought was forty five grand. I don't care. I think Miatas and eighty sixes are still in that category. Stock, not tuned and not crazy modified, but rich, poor. You don't know who's driving that car. They might just own it because it's a fun car to drive. True, but especially I, Miatas. Yes, I agree. But at the same time, you still get the oh, because it seems like a, a play money car. Even if it's not expensive, suppose, people still look people at it. People know they're go, not expensive. They know they're not expensive, but they're just kind of like, "Oh, you're just you're playing around." It's like, but I'm having fun with a my car. Bit, but Donnie with his ND, you're right. You're right. Sort yeah, of yeah. like you know. Okay, I agree. The, the the Miata is the closest to getting away with it, but I still think because it's the alternative choice, people think, "Oh, you just you just have money to play with." My car was cheap. 
Yeah, yeah. Relatively speaking. Nick Flitcroft on Facebook says, Todd wins the plate game this year. Better luck next time. I think I am in contention here. I do like stick shift on yours, but Zenod Z. Zenod Z is yeah. great, but stick shift on a Mercedes? It is When fun. was the last time you encountered a manual transmission Mercedes? Fair point. Fair point. Just yeah. saying, I think I'm still in contention here. The question is, when do we think Toyota or maybe Lexus will take the hybrid powertrain mm. and put it into an 86 chassis? like mm. to think that the RAV4 Prime powertrain in an 86 would be a neat marketplace. But uh, I don't see that ever happening, not for the 86. I see it potentially happening for the Supra because of price point. Oh, oh interesting. I'm okay. struggling trying okay. to figure yeah. out where the hybrid everything would fit in a Supra. There's not much space in that package. <laughs> yeah, There's certainly point. more in an 86. There's not a ton in a... In a in but a, you'd lose the back seats. Yeah, but you know what? I actually wonder about the hybrid powertrain as it fits in a Prius. That's not a ton of space not, in the front. Okay, okay I'm good wondering, point. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem with Supra or 86. We're talking about a front-wheel drive platform. So what would be involved? From the Prime or the Prius or the Prius. Because even the okay, RAV4 Prime yeah. pushes it, 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 it connects the clutches. It's a front-wheel drive car. Okay, okay. So fair. the big issue we're going to have is what happens to packaging and all of the engineering that would be required to make a rear-wheel drive hybrid sports car. And I think that market is even more niche than who's buying this in a manual could be at the moment at least the thing that i am most concerned about is enthusiasts not wanting to buy that flavor of it Mm -hmm. because we've encountered a hybrid powertrain on the lexus lc500 it's a car that Mm -hmm. has it and doesn't need it but they offer it yeah and it isn't very good it isn't the it's way to buy not it. good. And I that say car. that as a guy that we've liked a lot of Toyota hybrids. That was the first one in a while. Watch our review. I, I yes. said flat out, do not buy this. You did. The thing about that powertrain is it's 4,400 pounds. That, that car yes. is 4,400 pounds. Yes. So imagine a heavier hybrid powertrain stuffed into a car that is mm. sold on the premise of being a fun, lightweight mm. driver's car. Yeah, that's a good question. We, as humans, are still not there with lightweight hybrid powertrains yeah. or just a lightweight electric powertrain to be able to continue the theme of the 86, which is lightweight driving fun. Yeah, that and the Miata and all. That's that a is good point. Yeah, an yeah, antithesis yeah, you're right. to what it is. So you're it, right, it, yeah. I don't know that it would sell at all. You'd be like... My car is now close to 4,000 pounds in this 86. This is now it's the supposed f- to be a fun, lightweight, small car. It's the first-gen Tesla Roadster, which you and I recently drove. Yeah. It's my yeah. Elise. Yes. With an eight or yes. six or eight-inch stretch and a 1,000 more pounds. You feel it in that Tesla Roadster. Think of it another way. The car got 50% heavier. <laughs> yeah. 50% heavier. It's obvious. Before you put bodies in it. The acceleration is fun. The acceleration is quick. It's, it's super quick. Lovely. And, of course, it yes. does the whoosh. And I actually yes. made the comment to you guys when I drove it recently. We were in Carmel. We had a chance to drive it. And I'm very thankful that I, that I did. It was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. It felt exactly like, you know when you're on those roller coasters that are, that are, ba- that are magnet-powered? Oh, sure. It felt like yeah. one of those had just rolled off the end of the tracks at an amusement park and you were now driving it down the street. That was the sound and feel of it. Because it had, okay. this is going to sound weird, it had those kind of rattles that those those cars on a roller coaster always have. They have a little bit of kind of a plasticky squeak and it has that kind of yeah. rattle. But yet it goes really quick. But okay. a thousand pounds heavier. Okay. The, the magic of the Elise, gone. But yeah. you gained yeah. this electric powertrain that was just a bullet and silent. 
it's an experiment at this point. Yeah. And that's why that Tesla Roadster kind of remains that it's not a driving benchmark. It's an experiment. It's figuring out how to package stuff and interesting and works. It is, but yeah, but as a driving enthusiast car, not what these other two, the super and 86 are sold on. As we're talking about dynamics, that jumps me to Tim's question. He's asking me, do I think, which I think is better for handling the FRS or the Z4. I get the sense that Tim might be shopping. This is the <laughs> sense that I get. And what ways do each excel? The, this is a great question, actually, because the FRS is about 2,700, 2,800 pounds. The Z4 is 3,000, which is, for a modern car, pretty light. And when you consider the fact that it's got a actually electronic uh, soft top, that's probably most of the 200 pounds right there. Yeah, you think right, about the difference in the right. two cars. So they, they are really good comparative to each other. The Z4 has consistently surprised me with how much I like driving it. I, I find it genuinely really fun. And it has a glorious engine. It really does. That straight yeah. six three liter is it's just so much fun to work with. It it's feels the best part of the car. Like a willing partner, you just you, you want to. Da- I know I know it's a cliche. You want to dance with that engine all the time because it's sure. just ready and it's so much fun. And you compare that to the fact that the FRS has an engine that is the worst part of the car. <laughs> Thank Let's you. be honest. It is. It's the worst Thank part you. of the car. Okay. Yes. I, I never really bothered me, but it's by far the thing. It's like if you're making a list of attributes, that's not even on the list until the bottom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Agree. Yes. So, but but here's the issue with the Z4. The Z4, in my experience with it so far, I, I would be intrigued to have the capability to put both cars next to each other back-to-back on the same tires. Sure. Because I sure. think they're pretty close. On actual limits, they're probably pretty close. But here's sure. the difference. I think the 86 is still going to take the Z4, though. The 86 rotates better. Yeah. Is less prone to understeer. It's not like the Z4 is like understeer prone, but the 86, the whole way it's set up, it's, it's a car that rotates very easily and with good tires doesn't really want to understeer at all. Mm-hmm. The Sorry, side rant. The fallacy of the really not sticky Prius tires they put on that car originally, everybody said, well, it's because it's a drift machine. The thing they didn't bother telling you is it's an understeer beast with those tires. <laughs> yes, you can make the back come out after you fight off the understeer. Right. That's, those tires are just that's bad the opposite tires. effect for what you're just fighting. Those tires are just bad. They just, they're low grip, which means if you do it wrong, you're just understeering and plowing into a hedge. It's bad. Okay? The reward for your understeer so, is... Oversteer. But you, put, but you put great tires on yeah. that car, and the front will stick, and the back will step out when you want it to, which is fascinating. So it rotates better. It doesn't understeer. It, well, I'm not saying the Z4 understeers, but I think the Z4 is more prone to understeer. Mm-hmm. But the biggest issue is the fact that the Z4 gives you zero information from the steering. I don't right. know that I have right. driven a modern sports car with less steering information than the Z4. It seems like it would have more. It, it should Weirdly. have more. It's and a BMW. It's a fun sports car. Yes. It seems like it should be awesome. And they both, both the FRS and the Z4, both have electronic steering racks, electronic assist steering mm-hmm. racks. The FRS gives you information. The Z4 gives you zero, yeah. which is what happens in 10 years of development of that technology. Yeah. Yeah. So as a result, as a driver, I think you're going to be faster and have more fun in the 86 because it tells you so much more you are more confident. The takeaway is that three-liter engine stuffed into the 86. Straight six. That would be kind of brilliant. It's called the Supra. (laughs) Okay. Fair. Though I still prefer the 86. Fair point. Fair point. Jeff D. on Facebook wants to hear the story about my speeding ticket in the AMG GLC 45. (laughs) Did I mention that before? I must have mentioned it. Uh, Uh, In passing, yes. I guess uh, no real story. I wanted (laughs) to go for a drive. Hello. (laughs) I, I wanted to go for a drive, and I actually thought I should take my radar detector with me. Nah, it's all the way out in the garage in the Cayman. I don't want to take the time to go get it. <laughs> and I, the officer was coming at me. So 
at speed and I was coming down a hill and I thought I, I did look down and I thought 84 this feels pretty good at 84 it's like nothing <laughs> Boo. I There's went past list. him and I mm, yeah he, he spun around real quick and he was unsympathetic to my explanation of test driving he said well you can just get a feel for it at 65 miles an hour instead of 84 yes sir he's right he's absolutely yes, right uh, the conundrum came when I had to explain that this is not my car it belongs to Mercedes Yes. Actually, no, it actually really does. And then the documentation wasn't quite all there, so I, I had to explain my way out of that one. But everything was fine. He still gave me a ticket, and that was that. Was that. It happens. Yep. It happens. Uh, Den16SB is asking a fatherhood question. He I said, love it. any advice for the first time, Dad? Our baby is coming tomorrow, Tuesday, which means you may be listening to this podcast in the hospital. Uh, that's think cool. about that? By the way, you say he's coming Tuesday. That makes me think you may be having a C-section, which, side note, my wife and I had a C-section, and, uh, I mean, she had a C-section. I was around. I was aware <laughs> I know of the how fact it's she always was having plural, one. And yes, yes, uh, yes, but yes. anyway, so the, the funniest thing about that is it's on your calendar like a lunch date. 12.30 on Tuesday, have child. There's, no, there's none of that, well, sorry, honey, I think it's time. There's none of that. There's none of that. You plan this like a lunch date. It's a long lunch date that lasts the rest of your life. But anyway, <laughs> so he's asking first-time uh, fatherhood recommendations. He said, also, do I know that Recaro makes kid seats? Honestly, everyone makes kid stuff. Yeah. And yeah. the brands just mark it up. And the problem is you're going to have your child outgrow whatever that thing is. I'll give you a great example. Puma shoes. You can get oh, yeah. really expensive Puma shoes for kids that don't even know where their feet are yet, let alone not be able to walk. And they will outgrow them before they've even gotten dirty. Yeah, there's Okay, that. so there's that. Uh, first time dad advice, I will say this. You have no idea what you're doing, and neither did anybody else. That is the biggest thing Love I it. want to tell you. And be prepared for the fact that you're going to feel surrounded by great help while you're in the hospital. This is amazing. All of you are awesome. This isn't that bad. Thank you for the help. I'm feeling really encouraged. And then there'll be that moment when you're at the curb with your wife and they hand you the child and it's like, see ya. <laughs> and you go from like the world's greatest help to crickets. There's no help at all. And now you realize this just got awfully real. Did I put up the car seat correctly? We have to take the little one home now. Mm. And you go from lots of help to zero help. And then, uh, then it's a bit daunting. But you don't know what you're doing. And that's fine. <laughs> last question for me from ted adam green who asks our thoughts on the rsgr we have many as a matter of fact and full disclosure now that we're nearing the end of 2020 as of this recording we had spoken with toyota at their february camry launch yeah, event yeah, yeah. we pulled them aside and you know we're kind of thinking we'd be on our annual pilgrimage trip and we asked them specifically for the Yaris GR in Germany to mm -hmm. take on the Ring and Spa and drive it around mm -hmm. and do reviews with it. We wanted to review it. For we sure. knew it would yeah. be out then, and mm -hmm. sure enough, here it is out. We think it's amazing. A GR, all the things. We love it. <laughs> and you know they're doing it to the smallest car. The recipe sounded amazing. Everybody's loving it so far. We're still not getting it in the U.S. We may get the GR Corolla. That's as much as we've heard. So we we pulled those folks aside, and they said, yeah, let's get you in one. And then, of course, 2020 happened, and We're so we traveling. didn't get in yeah. one. Yeah, we still would like to because uh, we'd like to report on it directly, even though we're not surprised to hear that people are enjoying it. People are loving it, actually. Yeah, so I, it's we quite need intriguing. To, yeah. yeah, GR Corolla. Then I would be on board. I'll get a Corolla shirt. Okay, I'll, I'll get a T-shirt. Guys, thank you so much. Really appreciate all your awesome questions. Looking forward to more, and looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.